With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. All right, back here on Purple Daily, hour number two. I'll handle this, Courtney. No, let me do it. Please let me do it. Let me do it. I want to redeem myself. If you mess this up, you're going home. (laughs) You are thrown out of the show if you mess this up, and we'll take it the rest of the way. So you have to get this. Score North Live coming up with Matthew Collar from 2 to 4 p.m. Okay. All right. You can stay. I've redeemed myself. You can stay for the next hour, but... You oh, are, thank you for not throwing me out no, in the cold. You're on probation. Like <laughs> you are on just saying the name of my show probation. You know what we need to have in here? <laughs> I would love to have a sheet in front of Is me. Is it hard to remember? Yes, because we're purple daily. You know, if you listen every day as you should, then it wouldn't be hard to remember. Uh anyway. So a lot, a lot coming up in hour number two with myself and uh Courtney Cronin from ESPN. Um, we are going to take a look at the Viking salary cap and, and what ideas are realistic for them to create more space. Manny has his favorite Super Bowls of his lifetime, but I discovered this great story that Bill Cower told. And this is the, the most fun part for a lot of NFL fans is just this week, the sheer number of big name NFL people who are just on something, mm-hmm. whether it's Radio um, Row, radio, or right? Yeah, TV. Radio Row, television, NFL Network, ESPN, whatever. That if you're looking for somebody specific, you might get them because they're just everybody. And last year, Radio Row was insane, where it was like Robert Griffin the Third walks by me, Terrell Davis almost hit me in the head with his elbow, and T.O. You know, walks by, and Travis Kelsey walks by, and like, oh my gosh! And Kirk is, Cousins was there too. He was there, and yeah. he went to Shake Scouting. Shack, and everybody, everybody made a big deal out of it. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember yeah. there was a fight on Radio Row too. I don't know if that was yes. staged. Two Houston guys. Yeah. No, one guy got sent home. He got like you should have been earlier, but he was the, <laughs> he was thrown out of Radio Row for trying to fight another guy last and, year. I mean, from it, like rival stations, I yes. think in, in the Houston area. Yeah. yeah. Let let me like how do you draw that up in your head? I'm going to pay X number of dollars to fly up to the tundra yeah. to go on Radio Row, an opportunity that is an opportunity of a lifetime for a lot of journalists, and I'm going to try to come to blows with somebody because I on don't agree. One, them on day one if of the you're gonna Super fight Bowl somebody week. make it the last day <laughs> like, I mean, if you're gonna fight somebody too you better throw a punch i mean that was just a war of words yeah and then they like live streamed it it was super lame see that's the thing with the live streaming part of that i thought that was all a setup 
But you, no, no, they I, really went into this thing being like, "All right, we're we're two tough dudes from H Town, uh-huh. and we're gonna try to we're gonna try to run things here at the Super Bowl." Not the wisest idea. So anyway, that's begun with the celebs of the NFL doing their interviews, and I caught one today that was really, really excellent and funny. Bill Cower talking about facing the San Diego Chargers in the AFC Championship game, told just a, a, a great story on the Dan Patrick Show, so we have that. Probably the my third year, um, the uh, it was the San Diego Chargers. Uh, they came to Pittsburgh for the AFC Championship game, and it was a game we had beaten them earlier in the season and actually beat them and had rested some players. So we were very heavily favored in the game, and you know, we, we started that game, and it was a game that, uh, number one, it was in Pittsburgh, and all that day it was like 60 degrees, which is probably not a good omen in itself, right? And um, But it came down to the last play, uh, came down to the last play in the end zone, and Dennis Gibson knocked away a pass from Neil Donald to Barry Foster, and the whole crowd um, uh, just went silent. And I, remember, I always remember that game because it was a game that we were a defensive football team, and Barry Foster had 1,700 yards that year, and um, you know we were kind of we imposed ourselves on people. And fourth and two and a two, and I went empty and throw the ball, and I we incomplete pass. I go into the locker room, and I remember telling the players at the time, I said, you know, there's no words I can say that are going to ease the pain that you're feeling right now, but just understand that you know, you've done a lot for this city, and this was not the end. This is just the beginning of us coming back to being relative again. And I went back into the coaches and. I told the coaches uh, what an amazing job they did. They made this team better than they really ever should be. And uh, they pushed all the right buttons. And I went in there, saw Mr. Rooney, and I said, I'm sorry, Mr. Rooney, for letting you down. But you know, he gave me a little pat on the shoulder, and I saw my wife, and she gave me a peck on the cheek, and I walked over. And my daughter, who was eight at the time, Megan, um, was there. And she looked at me, and she goes, Dad. I said, what? She goes, why don't you give the ball to Barry Foster? <laughs> he could have got two yards. And Lauren says, Lauren says, Megan, mom said not to say it to dad. <laughs> Megan said, Lauren, you said the same thing in the box. Girls, 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 girls. That was great. The original should have given the ball to Marshawn was Bill Cower in the AFC Championship game. So I, I just enjoyed that. I thought that was funny. Don't ever put the ball into the hands of Neil O'Donnell to try and get you to the Super Bowl. Barry Foster was a monster. Yes, he was. That that era of football had some beast running backs, and briefly Barry Foster was unstoppable. I think and, he uh, ended up with the then the Panthers take him they in did. the expansion draft, yep. and then they the Steelers ran back with uh, Bam Morris. I think the next yes, year and went to the yes. Super Bowl, yeah. and then I think Bam Morris ended up off the team for getting arrested for pot or something, and then he was never seen again. Just presumably getting fatter and fatter, progressively, Bam Morris. Uh, anyway, so I just thought that uh, everyone would enjoy that Bill Cower story. That was great. Uh, on our poll about Anthony Barr, we are approaching 1,500 votes, and 67% want Anthony Barr back in Minnesota next year. Does that surprise you? Is that yes, high, Courtney? very surprising. Because I feel like the majority of this fan base that I've heard from thinks he's overrated. And thinks that there's too much up and down play from him and that he won't be a consistent threat as to, you know, the 2015 Anthony Barr is never going to come back. It's very And I understand it. I get it. I think that you don't want to overpay for him, certainly. So I think that that's why, I mean, the franchise tag, to me, just doesn't seem feasible because of, A, because of, the, of, of franchising and keeping him. 
because the it's too expensive. Responses to the tweet are almost all, no, he wants to be overpaid, he's not worth it, but most of the votes are going the opposite direction. So if you got a thought on whether the Vikings should work out a long-term extension with Anthony Barr, 651-646-8255 is the phone number. Now, one thing I get almost every single day on Twitter, Courtney, is people with ideas for the Vikings to save cap space. Trade this person, cut this person, restructure with this person. So I've got the Vikings 2019 salary cap here on OverTheCap.com, and I want to go through a few of these with you, and whether they are actually plausible or not. So the place to start is with the Vikings' third highest paid player for next year in terms of salary cap number, which is Xavier Rhodes. And when you look at his pro football focus numbers and just eye test performance last year, way too many penalties, way too many injuries for him last year. And there should be some concern about whether he's ever going to get back to the 2017 level. The peaks in the NFL do not last very long for almost anyone. And when you're such a big corner, if you lose a step and they don't let you play as physical as you want to, then you're not going to be as effective. So could the Vikings do something with Xavier Rhodes? Could they restructure? Could they trade Xavier Rhodes? I think he's your best bet for trade bait. I think of any player on this team right now, Xavier Rhodes is probably at the top of somebody that would draw the most interest in terms of being traded. Because you look at his numbers right now, as you said, he's got a pretty high cap hit in 2019. It's $13.4 million. I mean, you can't, you know, he doesn't have any guaranteed money left on his contract, which I think that's kind of moot when you're looking at a guy like Xavier, but... There's there's a lot of dead money involved there. I mean, he's still a very good player. When his value is where it's at right now, just looking at the financials here, I think this is perfect ground for the Vikings to possibly ship Xavier Rhodes off and potentially bring in a younger corner, bring in maybe even a safety, as we talked about last week on the show, that that might be the route they want to go mm-hmm. if Anthony Barr walks and you want to bring in more of that hybrid position player. Um this is probably where you're looking first. With his dead money, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to no, cut 7. Xavier 2. Rhodes. Yeah, that would that wouldn't add up. Or and usually that has to add up in order to restructure. Now that's the case with Everson Griffin. Yes, where Everson Griffin had an amazing 2017 season. His 2018, uh, even when he was not away from the team, he did not perform all that well. It was not the same Everson Griffin. I remember going through this that since Mike Zimmer had taken over. As the Vikings head coach, Griffin had never had a game without a quarterback pressure, which is, I mean, truly incredible, but just tells you about how good he was. And this year, he had multiple games without a quarterback pressure, and there were times where he was great. He was awesome against Miami, but mostly it was it was a lot of meh from him down the stretch. And he's about to have a cap hit of eleven point nine million. That just seems ripe for a restructuring. So him. I went through this the other day. Um, I was trying to go to bed and I was trying to figure out, all right, what can I do with Everson Griffin? If I'm putting on my financial cap and trying to think of how, how the situation will work. All right. So for 2000, your cap cap. Yes. My salary cap hat. It actually says salary cap across the front of it. So this could be a brand for us. So 
the the here here's like the the sum of it. So his base salary ten point nine in two thousand and nineteen, and there's a prorated version of a signing bonus four hundred thousand dollars. His per game roster bonuses because you can make a max of like five hundred k. So you multiply one sixteenth of that. So that's where you get that thirty one point two uh, thirty one thousand two hundred fifty in the number of the games you played in last season to get to three thousand excuse me three hundred forty three thousand seven hundred fifty dollars. So you know you factor all of that, and I could be off by like one game there, but. Pretty much that's where it is. So, yes, if they cut him right now in terms of cap savings, you get $10.7 million freed up on the cap, which I think that would be huge. is a huge thing. And you know when they talk about like the post-June 1 stuff? So the reason that number goes up from 10.7 to 11.5 post-June 1, um, you're dividing the dead money that he has there. Over, uh, remaining on his deal over two seasons. So you're robbing Peter and essentially to pay Paul and it's not available to you until June 2nd, but because he has 1.2 million left in his signing bonus proration, it's basically that's why you get the 400,000 per year. So I think that, you know, if they do move on, it will probably end up being with that June 1 pro uh, designation that he'll be here for camp and you know, for, for OTAs and, and mini camp and all that. It does make things difficult with free agency. So that's why I can see it being a 10 point, you know, if you do it now, you have 10.7 on the cap and you have a little bit more flexibility. Well, the question is, do you cut him or do you rework it? I don't think that you can bring him back at 11.9. No, I don't either. And I think that just, and it's not just the way he played the season. It's the fact that he's getting up there in age. You're never going to see the sack numbers that he got in 2017. I mean, I just think that that's, he 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 ran his course with that. Um, do we start seeing him? I mean, he's still a starter. I don't think you're you're talking. I mean, he's, he's your your lead rusher in a lot of in a lot of cases, and or excuse me, your lead. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's what I would do. I think that there is a way to restructure his deal to have a more team friendly cap hit here. But what are we, what are we doing in terms of looking towards the future? At his position, I mean, is Stephen Weatherly the guy that's you know next next year coming up? You're going to have to decide on his contract and what you want to do with him. Do you want to give him an extension? Do you think he's the guy who can fill that role on a permanent basis? Um, you know, this was going in the last season. This was one of the most star-studded defensive lines. You know, period could rival the Jags. It could rival a lot of different units, and. I think that that window is closing because you don't know what's going to happen with Sheldon Richardson. I was not impressed with the way Linville Joseph played down the stretch of the season. I know we battled through a lot of injuries there and we still played through it, but what's his situation going to be coming up? I mean, there's outside of Daniil Hunter, there's question marks at the three other spots. And that to me, the easiest one to solve right now is Everson Griffin in a restructure cutting him. Well, Joseph was another guy I was going to bring up because Mm -hmm. in 2017, he was a top three nose tackle in the league. And in 2018, just good. But not the type of good that is worth $10.7 million on the salary cap. Mm-hmm. The the type of good where you bring in a situational guy who can run stuff and play in, the, in that spot. And, and I understand he is really a special player with his athleticism and his size combined. But if you're looking at another guy that would create a bunch of cap space or that you could restructure, Linval Joseph is that guy. Now, I don't see him being cut, but a restructure is possible. Trey Wayans is another one that gets brought up all the time. Trade possibility, cut possibility. He's set to make over $9 million. I wouldn't think they would cut a cornerback in Mike Zimmer's defense who has performed fairly well for him, but the trade possibility makes a lot of sense. If another team was looking to possibly re-sign him long-term, 
I mean, that, well, that could he would happen, have value. It could happen after the 2019 season. I mean, they picked up his option. He'll be here for, what, $9, million, nine just over $9 million this year. I think that there's a chance this is his last season here. It gives yeah. you good insurance having someone like Trey Waynes, especially if Xavier Rhodes, who I think has you know probably more of the trade bait right now, I'm sure there more teams would be interested just in the proven production where Trey's kind of just coming into his own. I mean, he had a really, really good year. I don't think it was... There's some people who want to like go over... Over and above, and, and just kind of bloviate how about, about how good they think Trey Waynes is. He was okay. He was okay. He really he wasn't like this elite shutdown corner. And I mean, he had a lot of responsibility this year because on the other side of the field, the guy the guy playing opposite him at left cornerback was always hurt. So I think it's a good insurance policy to keep Trey Waynes around now to not entertain the idea of any sort of trade um, or or you know moving him off your books just yet because it's probably what's going to be. Probably going to be what happens in 2020 and beyond. He was pretty good down the stretch. Overall, 95 quarterback rating when opposing teams were throwing at Trey Wayans, which is a little above the league average. So it wasn't like he he's was great against the run. But that's down. what that's what we knew about him. He's great against the run. That's that's his bread and butter. Let's talk about Kyle Rudolph. Uh, I All always right. I always think about Kyle Rudolph this way that. Um, I don't know how many people would know this meme with the kid that's looking at the other girl. It's the Does it's everyone the, know that? I reference this actually in my story. Oh, really? Uh, I feel like an idiot. Um, oh, it, does it have a name? No, it's the boyfriend. The way I put it was like boyfriend looking over the shoulder at the at the girl, the one who got away in the distance. I used this in my week one sto- game story. Um, just a quick instant analysis when they played San Francisco. Because remember how good Kirk looked that game? Uh, and everybody yes. else had the story of, hey, for one game, he lived up to $84 million. The man in that meme in my story was Kyle Shanahan. Oh, and he's holding okay. the hand of Jimmy Garoppolo and Kirk's off in the distance blurred away. I'm Probably the one time all season that that meme where Kirk would ever be the one that anybody was desiring for. That is true. Um, anyway, so that meme... <laughs> So Kyle's in this meme it, now, too. Every other tight end uh, in the draft is the person that the boyfriend is looking at instead of his own girlfriend, basically. Like, Kyle Rudolph is always talked about every year as, how can we upgrade? How can we upgrade? Let's draft this very uh, exciting, athletic, six foot six tight end. And they either don't make the team or they're gone in a couple of years or they don't make anywhere near the impact that you think they're going to. But the Vikings have continued to go to the tight end well in almost every single draft, hoping to find one in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, and it just doesn't happen. And Kyle Rudolph is set to make $7.6 million on the cap with no dead money, which would leave them open to just straight up releasing him. I, I cannot but see it. I can't see that either. A restructure is possible. An extension even is possible in this mm-hmm. case. Give give him some signing mo- signing uh, money up front and just you know move everything further down the line. So everyone always thinks that he can be easily replaced, and I would say that it mm. isn't as easy as you think. That adding another tight end to help him, as in what Kirk Cousins had in Washington with two very good tight ends, is probably the best option here. But when it comes to releasing him, not a great idea unless you're going to be able to sign Jared Cook who did not sign here last year, but visited the Vikings. Yes, and I mean, there's. I'm looking at the free agent tight end market. It's it's first off, it's very top-heavy. Tyler, Tyler Eifert at the top, yeah. Jared Cook. I mean, Antonio Gates is retiring. I don't care what anybody says. Eifert's He's going hurt. to retire. And, um, I mean, the rest of it, too. I mean, those are expensive. Like, mm-hmm. those are some really expensive options. And I don't think that, I mean, Jared Cook made $5.3 million last year. It was his salary. Like, I don't think that you can... 
I don't. I just don't think you can allocate that. You know, unless I mean, if you, if you restructure Kyle Rudolph, maybe. But how much do you want to allocate for two tight ends there? Well, I think it's really. Val- I think it's really valuable if they could take some money away from Kyle Rudolph by giving him an extension and restructuring the thing. Uh, it is really valuable for this team to have an effective receiving number two tight end. Mm-hmm. Like what David Morgan brings to the table, and Tyler Conklin was not an impact player at all last year. I think there's a place for an upgrade there that might need to happen. We were just talking with Sam Monson about all those areas that they could do better to support Kirk Cousins, and this is a key one for me. If if you're thinking, if this franchise hasn't learned its lesson from drafting fourth and fifth round tight ends, that those guys are ever going to pan out immediately or beyond, you know, the amount of time that you allot for them to pan out. It's just that's the Bucky Hodges, the um, you know Tyler Conklin fits into that. Michael mix. Pruitt. Michael Pruitt. Like there's just so many names there that it's just if history wants to repeat itself again, I could see it happening. Sadly, but those guys just I mean they might be big body threats and they might be decent blockers, but it's not the F tight end you need who can be the athletic complement. It's not Trey Burton. You don't go out and find Trey Burton in the draft every year unless potentially you're you're pulling him up in you know the first or second round. And I don't think they're going to do that with their draft capital this year. All right, coming up next, Manny has made his list of his favorite Super Bowls of his lifetime. How and many do we have? Is it eight or nine again? That, no, we you got to find out. No, do I want to know. I have anxi- I have severe anxiety over this. Can I know? Is it eight or nine? No, do not tell her. This is this is because Manny can't ever seem to figure out how many things he's put on his list. He, it is now <laughs> Manny's eight or nine things that we're going to do every Tuesday. Okay, but we're at least still calling it Manny's eight or nine yes, things. Yes, we're calling it Manny's. So eight it could or be eight. Things. It could be nine. We don't know yet. We're going to find don't out know how many there are. Uh, we do not. I know. just need this break to speed up because I need to know. <laughs> that's the reason to stick around and listen is to find out whether it's eight or nine things. And Manny's favorite Super Bowl. Luckily, we're all kind of the same age, so we will have seen. All the Super Bowls Manny's going to go through here, and you can give us a call or tweet with yours. Favorite Super Bowl of your lifetime, 651-646-8255. Or if you have a thought on where Anthony Barr fits into this, most people voting on my Twitter poll, up over 1,500 votes that they want Anthony Barr to come back. Do you agree with that? Feel free to give us a buzz, and we'll be back here on Purple Daily on 1500. Because what you listen to doesn't come from just one source. We offer Minnesota sports. Minnesota sports. Lots of it. Whenever you want it. Wherever you are. Even when you're mobile. On the move. Remain grounded. With access to the content that you're passionate about. Get it all here. Score North. Minnesota sports. Anytime. Anywhere. Scorenorth.com. Pinning our ears back. Scorenorth.com. All right, welcome back to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin. We will get to Manny's list of eight or nine Super Bowls that are his favorite of his lifetime. But first, let's take uh, John's call here. What's going on, John? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure thing. Uh, I just wanted to make a quick comment about the salary cap situation for the Vikings. And uh, my, my two cents basically comes down to this. Uh, we all know they don't have a lot of cap space, but if you sort of zoom out and look at the rest of the league, the biggest issue I think is the amount of cap space that the other teams have. Yeah. The almost point. record level. So would it make more sense instead of trying to create 10 to 15 million in cap space by cutting this player, or that player, 
using those players as trade chips for those teams that don't quite have the 70, 80 million that the Jets or the Bills have and see if you can create a trade market that will ultimately put you in a position to be able to acquire offensive linemen, tight end, those kinds of things. I mean, one you, you before the break, you guys were talking about Kyle Rudolph, and I think one great opportunity might be to call up his hometown uh, Cincinnati Bengals, and because they had three tight ends under contract in 2018, all are free agents. Maybe the Vikings could offer him in in the final year of his salary. We all know what Kyle means off the field and what he could mean to his hometown. On top of that add in the fact that it's a neat area, maybe the Vikings could swing a trade for like a Clint Bowling who's also going to last year with Beal, and maybe the Bengals would have a hard time re-signing him, create an opportunity, and maybe save a million or two against the cap at the same time. Thanks, John. I really appreciate the call. I think that, uh, Courtney, trade options are definitely a big well, part of this offseason yeah, for the Vikings. That's why I mentioned Xavier Rhodes. I think that if you're looking at any option, and it's not to say, okay, can Trey Waynes be your number one cornerback? I mean, that point is moot when we're just talking about the trade value, because he's right. I mean, not every team is the Browns. Not every team's the Jets. Uh, who else has like, you know, 90 plus million in cap space? the Bills. The Bills like, cap space, you yeah. know, not every team can go out. I mean, they're kind of finding themselves in like Philadelphia salary cap hell. The same thing that the Eagles find themselves in every single year, it sounds like. But can you, I mean, do the, here's the thing is I'm looking through this right now in our roster management system. Outside of a guy like Xavier Rhodes, who do you really have that would drive up the trade market? So you'd be able to pull in other pieces, be able to get a different tight end, be able to, you know, possibly even get the offensive lineman, as our caller mentioned. I don't, I don't really know if there's anything that, that, that jumps out at me that much. Could you see something defensively though? I mean, we talk about, you know, the likes of Everson Griffin with Linville Joseph guys who are getting up there in age mm-hmm. and, and, and still have relatively very high cap hits. I mean, Maybe that comes into play. I don't know how you package that, though. I have a hard time putting that together. The problem is getting player for player is tough. Yeah. What you're probably talking about You're talking is about draft picks. Draft picks, And right. that's fine, but I mean, for a team that's in win-now mode and you know, a coach going into his final year of his contract right now with no resolution, the same thing for the general manager, I don't think that that's what you want to do. What you get back with the draft pick is the cap space, and then you can yeah. spend it on another player, so it's sort of like that's what you're making uh, the trade for. Okay. Well, I appreciate that phone call. You can chime in 651-646-8255. But Manny has been gripping the board over there with anticipation. He has either eight, <laughs> eight or, or nine, nine things to oh, go man. through for his list I hope for the it's day. nine. I think that we need to work with our, our guy, Tony, who does production on a Manny's eight or nine things intro. I think that's what we need. Can you just do one right now, Manny? You've got the voice. But he's but it's his list. I he don't can't care. Do it. It's just it's not it's not like when I have to introduce your show because you're so afraid to say it's it on your own. It's not a circus act. You can't just use the voice whenever you want. Yes, I can. I never get to tap into this. Manny, please do it and please play the NFL Films music. All right. It's Manny's eight or nine <laughs> lists on Purple Daily. With you. No, with Manny. We never Manny. said that you had to introduce yourself. I just wanted you to say the title. <laughs> All right. So I asked you to put together your favorite Super Bowls of your lifetime, Manny. So I would say, I don't know if you included any of them 
um, from not when you would have remembered, but yeah. I, they're in play. There's there's two on here. There's two on this list. Well, first of all, first of all, full disclosure, I actually had ten. I actually made a top ten list. Oh my Me, but you it should be, but the listen, name of the game. But the listen, it should the bit should still be top eight or nine. You got to chop it to eight or nine next week. You okay. got to chop it to eight or nine. That's the, it's it's not Manny's ten things or nine things or eight things. <laughs> chop <laughs> one Super Bowl right now. I'll give you fifteen seconds. Um, Just listen to the NFL all right. Music. I'll chop one. Okay, chop one. It's I'll, gone. I'll. Chop off. So we know you and have are these nine. in order too. Order the, from these are the order from I guess now nine, nine all the way to, to one. one. So we yeah. found out if you, if you yes, gambling people nine. at home had Manny doing nine things instead of eight today, then you won. Uh, all right, start us with number nine. All right, number nine is. Uh, I'm sorry to bring this one up, Matthew. Uh, Super Bowl twenty five in would, you Tampa would do that. Bay. Yeah, you would do the, that. The uh, Giants beat the Bills twenty to nineteen because Scott Norwood's missed kick at Co- the end. Couple things there. Because we've been going through this NFC Championship game and just calls and things like that. And what's always amazing with any one of these is all the things that could have gone a different way. And there is a sack early in the game where Jeff Hostetler is hit for a safety. But Bruce Smith's arm comes right down on Jeff Hostetler's arm with the ball. And I can't believe he didn't fumble it. It's one of those things where... He somehow grips onto the ball still, even though he gets hit by one of the strongest people alive at that time. And he goes down for a safety. But if that's a fumble and the Bills recover, the Bills win the game. Or the same thing with Gary Anderson's miss wide left, where the Vikings all of a sudden went like, oh, we've got to be really conservative and just save it for the field goal. The Bills did the same thing on that final drive. And didn't that start their run? Of like all their Super Bowl it was losses, the first of the four in a it row. Did. Yeah. First of the four in a row. The next year, starting was, out on a high note, missing a field goal. Yeah, the next year was in Minneapolis. It was a terrible Super Bowl, and Thurman Thomas lost his helmet. Uh, but you know what's interesting about this one, Manny, as it pertains to this year, is it's very much what will Belichick do because he was the defensive coordinator of the Giants yeah. that slowed down the number one Bills offense that year. So that is your number nine. It's a good pick. It's a great Super Bowl. And we cannot forget Whitney's wonderful national anthem. Which should be just well. played for all national anthems ever. Like, I don't want to ever hear, you know, I mean, I'm sure he's a great artist. I don't ever want to hear Jimmy Buffett sing the, sing the national anthem ever again. I never want to see that man mic drop. Just go ahead and play Whitney over <laughs> the speakers. Uh, number eight is Super Bowl 34, played in Atlanta. The uh, then St. Louis Rams and Kurt Warner, the greatest show on turf, they defeat the Tennessee Titans 23-16 to as the Titans were one yard short. Kevin Dyson, one yard short. I just watched the football life on uh, Steve McNair. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly well done. And he was so He was fantastic, fantastic in that game. That, that was game. his one shot, right? It was his one mm-hmm. shot. And that final drive, he was magnificent. Mm-hmm. And it just came it came that close. It was going to be a great story either way, whether it was McNair or Kurt Warner. But that is a great choice. It was a great Super Bowl. and He was on his way to Super Bowl MVP top, if they would have won oh, that yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And top, top five ending, I think, ever to a Super Bowl. Uh, number seven, Super Bowl forty nine, Patriots twenty eight, Seahawks twenty four. Uh, we at the start of this hour, we talked about the ball. Bill, yep. Co- Bill Cowher, yeah, telling the story of Malcolm the Steelers Butler. and yeah, Malcolm Butler, the big play, and uh, yeah, should have given the ball to March on at the I, end, Seattle. I love that. That's that's a good one. That's that would be a, top five for pick. me. But that's it's a, a great, great it's a great Super Bowl. It was a great Super Bowl. And Marshawn, I believe, makes an awesome catch in that game yeah. to set that up. He went like a he ran like a wheel a route. A wheel I think, route, and, right? Yeah. And it was totally unexpected. Caught the 
Patriots off guard. And then there was another great catch, too. Was it maybe Tyler Lockett? I forget who made the catch, but just bouncing off his helmet. And all those things would have been iconic if they had just handed the ball to Marshawn. And when that catch, when that Lockett catch happened, it was either Lockett or was Jermaine Curse or somebody. I can't remember who caught, who actually made the circus catch. But I remember thinking, oh my goodness, are the Patriots going to lose another Super Bowl on On a a crazy crazy circus catch? Yeah. Uh, number six on my list. This one goes back to I was too young to watch it live, but I've since uh, watched it on replay and things like that. As Super you Bowl, would. Super Bowl twenty three. The 49ers uh, come back and beat the Bengals twenty to sixteen. The drive, the big, mm-hmm. the big drive, the John Candy drive, where Joe Montana <laughs> walks into the huddle and says, "Hey, there's John Candy in the stands eating popcorn or something like that." There was He's, a John Taylor. Yep. And the great part about that is that. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals did not hire Bill Walsh. He was on their coaching staff, and I believe it was Paul Brown was the head coach, maybe? In the 70s. So when he stepped aside, they gave it to someone else as opposed to Bill Walsh, and then Bill Walsh beat them twice after that Mm -hmm. with the 49ers, and that was the... uh, It was Forrest Gregg, and then Sam Weish was the coach the second time. Yeah, Forrest Gregg was the guy that they gave it to instead of Bill Walsh, and then Bill Walsh goes on to beat them in two Super Bowls. It's kind of awesome. Uh, number five, the uh, 43rd Super Bowl between the Steelers and the Cardinals. And this one stands out to me because it was the final broadcast for John Madden. Oh, It was okay. the last broadcast ever. Did not know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, John Madden, by broadcasting this Super Bowl, was on NBC. It was the first Super Bowl he did on NBC, and he became the only broadcaster to broadcast a Super Bowl so on all cool. four major networks. Wow. Do you have his call of the uh, James Harrison interception on that? Um, we can find that maybe for the I next I could probably hour? find it, yeah. I remember there was a block in the back on that on that pick six <laughs> that wasn't called. That you, probably should have been called, and that was the last play of the first half. That yeah. Super Bowl, I remember that Super Bowl most for being great ending, but not as great of an overall game. Sure. Um, because it, there was a moment where the Steelers, if they got a first down, it would have just been over and somewhat lackluster aside from the big interception. But then the final five minutes of it where Larry Fitz takes in the touchdown yeah. and then the Steelers with the final drive, that that one goes under all-time endings. When he scored that that long touchdown, the first thought that came to my mind was, oh my God, the Cardinals are actually going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, but that and just then, can't happen. And then they couldn't cover <laughs> San Antonio Holmes. It's a great uh, throw. Uh, number four, fittingly, because it's the same two teams that are going to match up on Sunday, Super Bowl 36, Patriots 20, Rams 17. I had this high up on my list because of just the upset factor. I think the Rams were like 12-point favorites or something like that. It was a pretty high uh, high, uh, high line. In the final drive with Brady sort of introducing himself to yeah. us as a guy who will always win on the final drive uh, whenever you give him a chance. Although, the, unless he's playing the Giants, I guess, um, in the Super Bowl. But uh, that one was great top to bottom because of how physical the Patriots played. Mm-hmm. I remember going into that thinking, Marshall Falk's going to get like 200 yards. And I don't even think the Patriots had one of the best defenses in the league that year. I think they were just okay. But they, they beat were, the they heck out of the Rams. the greatest show on turf. Yeah. They were top. The Patriots defense that year, I think, was top 10 in scoring defense. But, like, yardage, they were, like, in the bottom third of the oh, league. Oh, okay. 
So they gave up a lot. They were bend but don't break. And they had a game-winning field goal, right? Yep. Adam and Terry. Right. The first one, yeah. And, and my favorite part of that was John Madden saying, well, you know, they should probably just kneel out the clock here yeah. and just, you know, go to overtime and see what <laughs> happens. And then a couple of completions for Brady. Well, no, they got to go for it. <laughs> it was, yeah, that, that was a great one. Uh, also, another significant note from that Super Bowl, it was the last Super Bowl that Madden and Summerall did together. Oh, okay. So I'm a Trapping nerd with this all this kind of broad, broadcasting knowledge on it. I always it. enjoyed those two. They were great. Uh, number three, Super Bowl 42. The Giants upset the undefeated Patriots 17 to 14 in Glendale, Arizona. It's a great Super Bowl. Yeah. Yep. That's uh, the catch with the helmet. David Tyree. And uh, also, I mean, just anytime the Patriots lose, it's. Uh, top Super Bowl to me, but that that one was such a war. I just remember that one being such a defensive battle between the two teams. That uh, I, I like that. I, I mean, I'm not the person who's like, I wish every game was seven to six, like Mike Zimmer, Alexander, <laughs> Ron Rivera. I'm not like that. But when you see two defenses play at that high of a level, that was the, Steve Spagnuolo's coming out party. Yeah, that Super Bowl. Yeah, that and that's was, what uh, set up Eli for his ridiculously large inflated contracts. <laughs> That was that was started. That started the dark trend. We don't know anything about that here. Uh, okay, number one, Manny. Of no, your, it was number. He was on three. Down number, number two. I number two, two. I, I got said. Two left. <laughs> don't shortchange him. He had eight um, or nine things. So this one that's this, what threw me off. This was the hardest part of putting this list together because I was sort of wavering between these top two. But uh, number two, I'm going to go with Super Bowl 38, Patriots 32, Panthers 29. It was unfortunate. Because I was, a I, I, yeah, John Casey after the after Jake Delhomme leads the Panthers down for the tying score. He hits mm-hmm. he hits uh, Ricky Prohl on the on the tying touchdown, yeah. and then on the ensuing kickoff, John Casey kicks the ball out of bounds and lets Brady give Brady an extra twenty yards. And then he, like three passes later, he sets up Vinatieri yeah. for the game-winning kick. An- another game-winning field goal. That was that was the two that the Patriots have won by the by a game-winning field yeah. goal because yeah. he had that late drive. By the way, on those two, another nerd moment for me here. On the t- first two Super Bowls that the Patriots won, both times Ricky Prohl scored the game tying touchdown. <laughs> but for two and different teams. For two for two different teams, yeah. And That's then funny. Brady led down for the game winning field goal. Gotta have that that slot receiver. Was he a slot receiver? Yeah. I've, I've, he was like one of those guys that was originally used a lot in the slot, I think. With the Rams Could be primarily, right. yeah. yeah. Okay. Think, yeah. Number one, as I was saying before, number one, here we go. Number one is uh, <laughs> Super Bowl 32, the Denver Broncos 31, Green Bay Packers 24. I was kind of wavering between this one and the Panthers-Patriots one, but this is the one that I think because this is going to sound weird, this was the one for me that felt like so much like a Super Bowl yeah, because it I was you, you had two iconic quarterbacks yep. matching up. You got John Elway, who's kind of wondering, is he, is this ever going to happen for him? And then Brett Favre basically was the MVP of the league at this time, the prime of his career. Uh, this was a historic one, and the uh, Broncos pulled it out. What did Terrell Davis do in that game? He was a, he was the MVP. I mean, but I, I I was eight years old. I don't really oh. remember this game like play by play. But what? he had like a hundred and fifty yards and like three touchdowns. Okay. I think he scored the winning touchdown. That was the one where Elway helicoptered. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and that was the one where the third touchdown that Terrell Davis scored to put the Broncos ahead for good. Like there was always the talk that Mike Holmgren told 
the Packers defense. Just let them mm-hmm. score so that we can give Favre enough time oh, to go right. down and you know tie the game. But they ended up uh, not winning. So. Correct me if I'm wrong. Gary Kubiak was the offensive coordinator mm-hmm. for the Broncos at that point. Yep. He was. He has been around a long, long time. time. Uh, one that you could have thrown into this is the, um, sorry, I just had, oh, the uh, Baltimore and San Francisco. Yes. Now, I thought about now, that one. I yeah. love that Super Bowl. It lacks the iconic names at quarterback that you, I, I think you're right to put John Elway and Brett Favre Super Bowl ahead. If it's a great game, if they're even games, then the one with the iconic quarterbacks. But that one, just for its pure madness of the lights going yeah. out and the comeback and then it coming down to a final goal line play, if only Marshawn had played for the 49ers, maybe they would have won that one. But <laughs> uh, even though it turned into a circus, it still was a great game. In that, in those, they came up like five yards short. Didn't he, wasn't one of those final plays where he threw to Randy Moss? And wasn't shouldn't there have been a PI on one of those final the if I remember last, correctly? He threw on fourth down, fourth and goal, he threw to Kaepernick threw to Michael Crabtree and that's there was right, a debate it was over whether there yeah, was right. a holding on it. And yes. Jim Harbaugh's just going nuts and he's just like Did you like, um, come on, it's holding. Crab never forgave him for that too. I remember talking to him and with the Raiders and he was saying about how Derek Carr was the best quarterback he's ever played with, and it's like, oh, you went to a Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick. Consideration <laughs> for last year's? Did you did you have that? I thought in about your mind? that one. Actually, number ten on my list before you ordered me to make it nine uh-huh. was uh, Super Bowl Fifty One, the Patriots and Falcons. Mine, yeah. mine too. I thought that that should have made the list. That would have been twenty eight three. Run the ball, Dan Quinn. It's amazing how <laughs> a few teams just running the ball would Run have taken ball. care of the Patriots. Brady would have retired in frustration. Run the ball. That's uh, my advice for the uh, Rams and C.J. Anderson. Like, if you're up 28-3, to give it, ball. give it to your fat guy and let him run the clock out. Hey, you can call him fat, you can call him thick, you can call him whatever. <laughs> Professionals can't tackle him. That was, uh, maybe that was a the, quote from the him best, this morning. Best quote that came from yesterday. All right, um, Bill Barnwell put out an article, and when you are off next week, Bill Barnwell's going to join the show. Heck yeah. Um, but he put out an article with an over-under for the Vikings for next season. I want to get your quick thought on that before we go into off-season madness. Purple Daily, Courtney Cronin from ESPN, along with me, Matthew Collar, here on Score North on 1500. You aren't into Minnesota sports. Talk to the Mitten. Score North. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. I did not realize this news item, Courtney. This is a this is huge. This is a really big news item as it pertains to the Minnesota Vikings. Why did you not tell me at 1.20 p.m.? We have let this sit for 20 minutes while we went through Manning Super Bowls. We missed this. This is huge. The Indianapolis Colts have re-signed guard Mark Glowinski. This happened three hours ago. It says 1.20 p.m. is when no. ESPN News Services posted it. Well, that might have been the case. It might have just been updated. This happened this morning. I was sitting drinking why, my coffee did, from my Keurig. Why and did th- you not run in here screaming that this had happened? Because he was That's never coming. Lineman. He was never he's, coming he's, here. We talked about this last week. He's never coming here. An offensive lineman is off the board, Courtney, and you let it sit there for two hours? He's back on his own team. It was 120 Eastern walk. time. Yeah. That's 1220. No, it says CT right here when it was Okay, well, it's it probably updated. Be- <laughs> it was probably, be- I don't know if you know our content management system all that well, but it's probably when it was updated. Anyways... No Mark Glowinski. Nope. 
and the guard in the in the free agent guard market continues to dwindle. <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, Mark Glowinski would have been a fit here for the Vikings. Sure, well, he's tw- what twenty nine. Do that? We started twenty six. I think he's like twenty six. Okay, so he was he was among young, our crop yeah. of you know why you would pay a little bit more because he's young. Yeah, just getting into his prime, but and that's part of when you look at the free agents at this moment, and you say, "Oh, well, they could look at this guy, and they could look at this guy." You don't know which teams are going to be able to re-sign some of their own players. Yes, so that pool of free agents will be smaller. And Mark Glowinski, the offensive lineman from the Indianapolis Colts, is not a free agent now. He would have been a top target for the Vikings. But what did he get? Uh, three years, eighteen million, which would have been reasonable for the mm-hmm. Vikings. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a great deal for him. If he had hit the free agent market, he's getting more than that, don't you think? It, three years, eighteen million with desperation for offensive well, line. I don't know. I don't know what their cap situation is. But, oh, they I have mean, tons of money. They can pay people. Um, more like three and twenty-four, maybe something like that. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe even a longer-term deal with that, considering he's pretty young. Uh, maybe not. Maybe his agent didn't feel like he could get big money. But that's interesting to me that the first shoe has already dropped and we're not even at the Super Bowl with an offensive lineman off the board staying with Indianapolis. And now what you're left with is only a couple of different offensive linemen that the Vikings could go after that would be significant improvements. Mm-hmm. And this sort of points us even more toward the draft. And I've been thinking about this. I saw a tweet this morning about Brian O'Neill. And just, you know, he developed nicely this year. But the Vikings should still draft a tackle if a tackle is there. I'm not, I'm not getting into draft talk yet. It's I'm fine. not breaking down it's prospects. Fine. It's fine, but I'm I mean, I agree with there. you. Because that would be best available at 18. That's what they should do. Unless you trade up, which you're not going to do. should not be trying to fill a spot with a guard right away. Doesn't doesn't have to be there. What so, about tackle first round, guard second round? Um, Fine, yeah. No, if it's two offensive linemen, I don't think anyone would complain at all. If this, I think if they had done that last year, if they had drafted Will Hernandez and Brian O'Neill, people would have jumped through the roof with joy. But then let's play hindsight game. What happens when you lose all your cornerback depth and you have a third rounder who can't play? Well, you still ended up with Holton Hill stepping in last year as an undrafted free agent and doing okay. Yeah, I mean, well, Holton Hill would have been drafted had he not, you know, had he not been involved with marijuana. Like, I mean, that just is what it is. I mean, that he, I would take Holton Hill over a lot of third, fourth round pick corners. Sure, yeah, they got a great break with that. The, I mean, cornerback depth is always important. It's just you pose the question of if they drafted two linemen the first two rounds, would anyone be upset? They certainly, certainly I don't think wouldn't. people would have been upset. I'm I just saying like, if, if it would have played out the same way, I mean, granted, I guess it wouldn't have played out because Mike Hughes would not have been drafted then, so my whole game of retrospect is out the window. Just forget I said anything. I forgot what we even teased because I was We were going so to go through Barnwell's. Um, he put out an article yesterday oh, just right. projecting the uh, 2019 Vegas win, per, win odds, and I put the article out, um, and I was kind of gauging just some... You know, just what the Vikings Twitter fan base, what, what what people think about it. Because the over-under right now is nine wins. And that seems very realistic. I think you should be happy. And I've had a lot of Vikings fans come in and be like, why is that positive news, Courtney? That's stupid. Like, And I'm like, what do you expect this team to do? Do you really think they're going to be that much different in 2019? I mean, not just talking about Kirk Cousins alone. The schedule's better. I will give them that. The schedule is not as difficult as as it was in 2018 when you're playing a first-place schedule. You get a little bit of leeway there, but I think nine, nine wins puts you in, in the playoffs. 
Nine wins is what you should have had this season. Nine wins is a step above where you were. It's not much, marginal, but I think that that's very reasonable to put where the Vikings would be at in 2019. What makes it hard is that, I mean, of course, right now we don't know who they're going to sign. Exactly. And I do think that that's the thing you have to take. Vegas loves doing this like Mm now. I mean, you must be bored. But what makes it hard is let's just even try to project out on our on our minds what they're going to do, and we can figure out okay they're going to fix offensive line to whatever extent they can, but it's not going to be perfect. And maybe another weapon or two is in here. Maybe they're better schematically. I would almost guarantee that with Gary Kubiak's presence, that they play to Kirk Cousins' strengths more. Just how many wins more is that worth, and how many situations where the will there be where Kirk Cousins just doesn't play well? And and one of the things that's really noticeable from the Pro Football Focus uh, statistics is just how. The Kirk co- coaster is a real thing. I mean, it, it, it is. It's just. I just like you had, saying it. He had seven. Well, you have to, I have to be careful. I feel like I'm going to accidentally swear saying Kirk coaster or something. I don't know. I don't know. There's I, I, I don't know there is there. either, but just get frustrated. And Knowing you, anyway. the window's right um, behind you. Might hit it, might break it. <laughs> anyway, Kirk coaster is not the easiest thing to say, uh, but. Seven games were graded as well above average for him, and seven games were well below average, and only two games were average from last year from Pro Football Focus's grades. That's the Kirk Coaster, and I don't see that changing just because he's got some better things around him. I I think that maybe you reduce that to five games instead of seven where he's poor, but there will always be those times where he just does not show up. And how many of those games where he's graded above average did they lose? Yeah, there, there had few, to have been yeah. several. I mean, I'm thinking about that Rams game Saints is definitely game, yeah. a, a Saints game. Yep. Big inflated numbers that don't pan out to wins. That's, Courtney, um, that's what this is. What would you say is coming up next on our station? Ooh, I'm excited. Coming up <laughs> next from 2 to 4, it is Score North Live with Matthew Collar. Well done. Well it only done. took me 10 tries. Yes, you got it. Thank you. I can stay. I mean, I don't want to stay for the show, but yeah, I can but, stay. You know, I'm you still can come employed. Back. Actually, okay. next week you're going to be off. Next week I'll be off, but this week, Thursday. Yeah, the, you'll Purple be Purple Daily. Yes. You, me, and Zolgad. I am looking forward I'm gonna to the I'm going to bring a flamethrower. It has been The takes are going to be so hot. Turn Man, you off. better watch out for that. There's going to be a flamethrower <laughs> in yeah, I got here. the glass in front of you to protect <laughs> me, so I'm good. All right, Score North Live, you heard it, is uh, coming up next. Lots to talk about, and uh, we will get all of your thoughts on uh, different things. We'll continue the Anthony Barr con- whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.